Well, if you're a Team Canada men's soccer team fan, today brought some, or this week brought some good news. Bayern Munich midfielder and Team Canada national soccer team star Alfonso Davies returned to action this week after a months-long absence. You may remember uh, that he was suffering from symptoms of myocarditis, a mild heart condition following a bout of COVID-19. Well, he played for Bayern this week. They lost 1-0 to Spain's Villarreal in the Champions League, but uh, he was out there. He hadn't played since December 17th. This was the same week that the 21-year-old from Edmonton was named CONCACAF Player of the Year as he helped the men's team, not solely, they did pretty well without him, but he helped the men's team qualify for the World Cup for the first time since 1986. And Davies is perhaps the embodiment of a new generation of Canadian players that has come to typify why people are so excited about this particular team. He's a top star at a top European club, born to Liberian parents in a refugee camp in Ghana. His family arrived in Canada in 2005. Of course, he grew up in Edmonton. He and other players on the Canadian team also mean the Maple Leaf could make a splash at the upcoming World Cup, which is perhaps the greatest stage in sports, even more viewership on TV than the Olympics, as far as I remember. And that profile could extend well beyond the sporting world, perhaps. With more on that, I'm joined by Tim Elko. He's an associate professor of kinesiology and physical education and a fellow with the Balsillie School of International Affairs at Wilfrid Laurier University. Tim, thanks so much for taking the time on a Friday night. Yeah, thank you, Ben. So, I mean, I guess you've been watching this as well. Uh, Canadians really seem to have embraced, I mean, we certainly embraced the women's team when they did so well at the Tokyo Olympics, uh, and now we've certainly embraced the men's team. It feels like we're becoming a bit of a bit of a soccer nation. Yeah, it's been quite a, I guess, seven months, you know, with the, the women have been building success for quite a while, and sort of the gold medal was the cap of that. But the men have really, you know, they've come, I wouldn't say from nowhere, but in the last year, they've really sort of emerged and sort of captured the imagination with this World Cup qualification run. So, yeah, it, it's on the elite side, there has been sort of that, that jump, uh, certainly in terms of attention and interest, that's for sure. You've just written an article for The Conversation, a publication about uh, what this could mean for Canada, because indeed, uh, it's been a mighty long time since we've been at a World Cup. I remember when we played in Mexico in 1986, and Soccer has changed a lot since 1986. Let's be let's be clear. It's become much more, even more of a global game. But this is perhaps sports' greatest stage. Absolutely. You know, the, the estimated viewership, I mean, and, you know, obviously there's double and triple counting here, but the estimated that for 2018 in Russia, it was 3.5 billion people who watched effectively men kick a ball around a field, you know, if we want to simplify it. Um, so it's pretty incredible in terms of its reach, in terms of its popularity, and it absolutely matches the Olympics. And certainly from a global appeal, it, it goes beyond the Olympics. And your point was that this is an exciting, young, you know, multicultural team with players from around the world that anyone turning on the TV and seeing this team play is going to find something to like about that and that like about them provided they do okay. Um, and that's a pretty engaging thing when you're at the World Cup because they are a really exciting young team. They remind me of, you know, the French teams of the over the years, the German teams certainly have become much more uh, diverse, the Belgian teams diverse. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting change within the national teams around the world. And one certainly we see on on TV and World Cups and European Championships more is, you know, the the multi ethnic 
sort of uh, visual of nations like France, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Belgium, uh, uh, England as well. And so Canada is seeing that as well um, with this group. Now, I mean, it is interesting with the Canadian team. It is a very Toronto-centric group. Uh, sure. And so in many ways, it's it's sort of a, it re- reflects the diversity of Canada and that multi-ethnicity. But there are there are sort of still gaps there and there's still sort of people who probably don't see themselves there, but they probably caught up in the excitement of it as, as well. When we look ahead to the World Cup, though, one of the points that you made is that it does give an opportunity, um, and, and specifically because we pay so much attention to hockey. And obviously, mm. you know, I was interviewing a former Finnish prime minister last week, and we were talking about hockey, of course, and he used the term ice hockey. And I forgot that even in Europe, they use the term ice hockey. And you remember, it reminds you that hockey, while universally appealing, to a lot of, you know, appealing in a lot of countries, or at least popular in several countries, is just not a global game the way, certainly not the way soccer is. Yeah, I, you know, hockey is, you know, you know for, for so long, it's been part of our identity as, an, as a nation, you know, that hockey is our sport. And what's fascinating about, you know, I'll throw basketball into this to a degree, you know, basketball and, and, and soccer sort of have reflected a different looking Canada. You know, we certainly saw that with the Jurassic Park scenes outside Toronto with the Raptors run. And we absolutely see it with this, the, the men's soccer team and the women's soccer team. We see sort of diversity. And, you know, as I said in the article, you know, hockey, hockey has desperately tried to, you know, increase its diversity. It's tried to overcome some of those challenges. But it just seems there just seems to be a stubbornness to them to be overcome that where soccer and basketball have been able to, to do that. But where soccer goes even further is it, it is absolutely the global sport. I mean, you know. You know, as you mentioned, you know, it's it's ice hockey to most of the world. Where here it's just hockey, and you know, we're we're football, soccer. You know, it literally is played in every part of the world, and it's something that's that's you know has the attention of the entire world. So Canada being at this stage is incredibly significant. You know, on the sporting side, but I think it even goes beyond that. Yeah, you did get into that. Um, I was thinking, you know, we are Belgium uh, are the second ranked team in the world. They're, they mm-hmm. are going to be with, a, with an aging team, but still a very popular team, including guys like Kevin De Bruyne and, uh, and so forth. That We're playing them in the opener. That's going to be a heavily watched game. Uh, so it'll be because that's going to be Canada's big, big step out onto that stage. And you felt like there could be influence beyond just sports. Uh, explain that if you could. Well, I think, you know, I, I was at that game where they, they beat Jamaica and, you know, occupational hazard as I, I started to think about all the dimensions of meaning here. I mean, there's the soccer piece of it. I mean, what this means for Canada from a soccer perspective, you know, is pretty significant. You know, the, the women's success over the past decade plus and then the, the emergence of the men. And you've got stars like Christine Sinclair. You've got Alfonso Davies, who you mentioned in the opening, who are, are global stars. I mean, they're, they're known around the world. And so on the soccer level, at the sort of the mega sport soccer level, you know, Canada is sort of emerging, but we have a long history of grassroots participation. Um, and so, so Canada has been successful there, but now that's sort of meeting up with this, this world stage. And, you know, then we talked about the diversity and that, that sort of reflection of Canada in, in different ways. Um, but then you start talking about, you know, ideas of, of, you know, Canada on the world stage and whether it wants to be or not, Football, you know, soccer, because it's on the global stage, because it is this this powerful tool, um, it becomes politically involved and politically engaged, whether people want it to be or not. And so it starts to be something that, you know, discussions and elements of the World Cup will, it will go far beyond just the games. You know, when Canada plays Belgium, I'm sure we'll be engrossed in the game, but they're playing in Qatar, which, you know, has been raised all sorts of questions for quite a while since they were, 
you know, picked as the host for these these games, and you know, fairly controversially. At the same time, I remember, I remember that selection. Uh, Russia was the other country <laughs> that was picked uh, at that same time, and where they played in 2018. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, politics and soccer always go hand in hand, and we know Russia's always been booted from this qualification mm-hmm. uh, round and will not be at the World Cup no matter what. Uh, but one can imagine that, given how volatile the political situation is around the world right now, that that's going to creep in to this World Cup for sure. I mean, you mentioned some of the human rights issues, obviously, in in Qatar leading up uh, to this World Cup. I guess that's something Canada is going to have to think about, because when you go play an Olympic hockey tournament, um, I mean, China might have been an exception. There were no NHLers there, but uh, there isn't a lot of politics involved, for instance, in or, or maybe in Sochi there would have been. Maybe I take that back. But not quite the same kind of scrutiny that politics here will have because our soccer players may be asked about some of these issues. Well, if you see, you know, what's happening, you know, um, some, of the, some of the more prominent European countries, so Denmark, or sorry, Norway, who didn't end up qualifying, but had some pretty prominent players, uh, you know, made some, you know, wore T-shirts in terms of human rights, and they were followed by Germany and the Netherlands, who are going to be there. You know, uh, the, the Dutch in particular have, have, you know, talked openly about, you know, uh, potentially protesting, you know, at the games. And then, you know, England, you know, at their last, international camp you know they they had a conversation and, and their manager came out and talked about and their, their team captain came out and talked about you know expressing some of the con- their concerns about qatar being hosted now these are prominent you know top of the top of the table you know football you know n- national teams I and mean, canada's not there as excited as we are but you know canada still does have this place i mean we're a g7 country so politically we still are viewed you know as a as a you know they call us a middle power politically you know, and now all of a sudden you, you enter our, our, our soccer team into the fray and they're going to be asked questions. Our government's going to be asked questions when, when the games roll around. And then, of course, we're hosting in 2026. And, you know, that's you know, the attention of the world is then going to turn onto Canada and the United States and Mexico. And so these questions are only going to gain momentum and the, the issues that go beyond the actual you know, events and, and performance of the Canadian team as soccer players is going to be expanded and widened. Do you have any concerns at all? I mean, you were at the Jamaica game. I watched it on TV. I spoke to someone else last week, a reporter, earlier this week, actually, a reporter with The Athletic who was at that same game who said it was just the most electric atmosphere you could imagine at a soccer game in this country. It felt like you were watching something that you had seen on TV from another part of the world. It was, it was that invigorating. Do you think there's going to be any pressure now on this team considering not only is it a World Cup, but it's a World Cup being played, you know, in what are going to be, let's be honest, relatively uh, peculiar circumstances. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be challenging. I mean, it's going to be happening at a different time of year than international competitions. So they're hosting in November, ending in early December because of the heat. And so that's been a change. And so there's going to be a huge disruption in terms of seasons. Uh, for the players who play in in North America in MLS, you know they're going to be at the end of their season. Some of them are going to be in the middle of their season. So, so on the sport again, on the sporting side, there's going to be unique challenges to this tournament that we haven't seen before. Uh, but I also think that there's going to be unique challenges to all the athletes and 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 the various teams and, and people involved in terms of, you know, how they deal with the political issues and the pressures of, you know, that come with this. And I think, you know, we've seen sort of the rise of, of athlete protests and athlete sort of political engagement. You know, certainly through the pandemic, there seems to have been, you know, a real spur in terms of, of athletes getting involved and getting engaged. And so, you know, 
will that continue in Qatar? We, we, and, and then, you know, is that fair to ask athletes to, to be involved? And, and, you know, how will that affect the way they play? So I just think there's so many open questions on the sporting side, on the political side, you know, that are all going to come sort of to, he- to a head in, in November when, when these games begin. I'm speaking with Tim Elcombe. He's the Associate Professor of Kinesiology and Physical Education and a fellow with the Balsillie School of International Affairs at Wilfrid Laurier University. We're talking about Team Canada's qualification, uh, the men's team for the uh, upcoming World Cup in Qatar, uh, and, and some of the broader implications of it, because it is a huge global stage for a team that hasn't been on that stage since 1986. And of course, soccer has changed, politics have changed, uh, and there will be pressures, uh, even in the, even in the host country where it's being played. After this, we'll talk about more, just a bit more about how this team, though, could really inspire a lot of young Canadians, probably already has at this point. But uh, if Canada is going to become a quote-unquote football nation, as John Herdman, the manager of the team, called us uh, a soccer nation, what might that mean for the future? And, and how inspiring will it be to see uh, young Canadians embracing this game the way we've embraced sports like hockey and, and others over the years? That's next. I'm speaking with Tim Elcombe. He's an associate professor of kinesiology and phys ed at, and fellow with the Balsillie School of International Affairs at Wilfrid Laurier University. We're talking soccer tonight. We were talking about the men's team and the World Cup and qualifying uh, for Qatar uh, in the fall and what a big stage that will be. I just noticed, of course, the women's uh, national team were playing Nigeria tonight uh, in Vancouver. It's nil-nil at the half. Uh, but I'm just thinking back to the to the to players on that team. How familiar we've become with the Christine Lee, uh, Sinclairs, who's now the all-time international leading goal scorer, Stephanie Labay, of course, who's retiring, and just how much they paved the way for this sort of enthusiasm we're seeing now for the men's team because we've gotten used to watching successful soccer. It just wasn't the, it wasn't the men's team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to the 2015 uh, World Cup that we hosted. You know, the women were successful. There were great crowds. There was great energy. And as you said, the, these women became household names. And, 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 you know, it was with the women first where, where soccer became, you know, our, our soccer players, our footballers, as we probably have to start calling it now that we're on the global stage, were, were you know, in, in the, you know, playing for the best teams in Europe. They were playing at the top levels. They were recognized as stars. And, you know, I think that was a, you know, the women's role in this, I think, is, is huge in terms of, of you know, as, her, as John Herman said, you know, us becoming a football nation. It really has started with the women, and now the men have sort of picked that up. I remember seeing the women's team and John Herdman actually in our studios when I was covering the 2012 Olympics. That was a heartbreaking Olympics for the Canadian women's team. Uh, but they were still, I mean, you recognized Herdman's, not just Herdman's, you recognized their skill, but also the enthusiasm that team had and how much the coach was part of that enthusiasm. And it's interesting to see him now with the men's team uh, doing something quite similar. He, he seems to be able to manage to create a cohesion that is, I guess, primordial if you're going to be a successful team coach, national team coach. Yeah, he seems to have just that that perfect ability. You know, coaching international sort of national teams is different from all indications of, of coaching a club team. And it seems as if he has just the perfect sort of ability to coach at that level, you know, rallying this group together. He only gets them, certainly on the men's side, you know, he only gets them as a group, you know, periodically through the year, yet he's able to create this cohesiveness and this sense of, you know, team unity. And, you know, he certainly established that with the women. And, you know, he just seems to have the magic touch. And, and I think that really bodes well for, for the actual competition because, you know, national National teams perform differently than club teams and often are, you know, the sum of their parts are greater than, than the individual talent just because of that extra, 
you know, national sense and motivation. And he seems to have really bottled that. You know, Italy didn't make the World Cup, of course, which we're always, uh, you know, like like to remind our, my Italian friends that that they have, that they should really be cheering for Canada. So we've got Morocco, um, Croatia, and Belgium in in our group, which is a pretty tough group. But the bookies in England have been saying that Canada could be a bit of a sleeper here. Uh, if we do well, it could be quite interesting to see what kind of we could. I mean, I know this is getting way ahead of ourselves, but Canada has the opportunity, I think, here to be a bit of a Cinderella, like a fan favorite, a Cinderella team at this World Cup. They do. You know, my I've got really great friends in Wales, and, and they experienced this at the European Championships uh, right. in, in 2016. And, you know, you see that that opportunity, what that does, you know, and of course for Wales, it's their one time to be an actual, you know, nation, because typically they're, they're Great Britain. Um, and so I think Canada has that same opportunity. You know, if they were to get out of the group stage, if they were up to be able to finish, you know, the top two of their group and move into the group stage and have a knockout game, it would be incredible. And, you know, you mentioned it before the break, you know, in some ways... <laughs> The, the the pressure on them now the expectation is more than just showing up and and in some ways you know that that's pretty uh, pretty immense you know the idea that they qualified is an incredible accomplishment now i think the expectation is hey we, we think you can win a couple of games we think you can get to the knockout phase and uh you know if they did um certainly that would i think that would capture the attention but either way i think the the, the roots are there uh, we certainly see with the, w- the women's team for a while now, but I think the roots are there now on the men's side that this will be somewhat sustainable. I think there's an infrastructure at the elite level that's being developed that's going to allow Canada to be, you know, relatively successful. You know, probably, you know, we can aspire to be, you know, like we're a middle power nation politically, but a middle power, you know, in terms of the football world. And I'm just going to be happy if they score a goal because I did watch That's the 86 right. World World Cup and we we didn't score. So there's still history to be made in Qatar if Canada manages to score one early. Uh, Tim Elcombe, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thank you very much. Enjoyed that.